0: Well, it's time for Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. Today, we welcome to the microphones my dear friend, Colonel James Kirkwood, retired from the Memphis Police Department, but now the Executive Director of the Memphis Christian Pastors Network. James also is Associate Pastor of the Ambassadors of Christ Church in North Memphis. James, it's
1: always good to see you. It is always good to be with you,
0: Byron. So you've been surviving this pandemic and quarantine?
1: Yes, I have. I have. I've been washing my hands. I've been wearing my mask and washing my hands again and again and again and yet doing work to help support our community.
0: Of course, in your position, I know the Memphis Christian Pastors Network is an incredible support in the community with churches, pastors, ministries. You're really reaching the people, but you haven't slowed down during this pandemic time.
1: No, we haven't. Uh, I have been uh, fussed at by my wife, uh, James, <laughs> you, you need to be careful. And I'm like, baby, I got to go out here. We got to keep working. People need help. We have been blessed. The Memphis Christian Pastors Network have been working hard. Hard, uh, in regards to feeding, uh, uh, people in our city who have problems getting food with them, partnering with the uh, Mid-South Food Bank. It has been absolutely phenomenal. Churches are coming on board and man, it is beautiful to see, uh, churches mobilizing to help, uh, feed. We've been working with the uh, COVID-19 awareness, getting the test out. Have you taken the test? I Pirate? haven't taken the test. Listen, I took the test and I started not to take the test. All right. Because I saw Pastor Caswell taking the test and he went to sneeze and I was like, man. <laughs> but I said, Kirkwood, you need to go take the test. Stop being a wimp and go take the test. And I went and took the test over at Methodist. Uh You know, uh Memphis Christian Pastor Network is partnered with. Christ Community Health Center and Church Health who given out the test uh free and those who for those who don't have insurance. Uh but I went around the corner to my house, from my house to Methodist South and uh got the test and my results came back the next day. Thank God I was negative. You're COVID free. I'm COVID free. Washing my hands, wearing the mask, all that is helping while I go out and work. But I'm blessed by so many people, working with people alongside people who are wearing the mask and washing their hands and
0: everything. Another thing you guys are involved with, I know, was partnering with the Memphis Food Bank. You were on with us just a few weeks ago. Yes. We did a radio show, talked about mobilize the community and help provide some of these food needs.
1: Yes. Yes. And it's been very, very successful, man. If Byron, I am so proud as a, as a pastor, as a Christian, uh, I am so proud of how our churches have stepped up. And even in this COVID crisis, because churches were closed, uh, the Memphis Christian Pastors Network, uh, the Church Developers Network through Pastor Dan Henley have been working to help, uh, support the churches. Uh, those churches who didn't have social media and who was not, uh, equipped or uh, knowledgeable of social media, how to go online for their services. Uh, we were there to offer assistance for them to get them online, Facebook, you know, social media, Instagram, all that to, put forth their services uh some churches who were not uh knowledgeable on how to give electronically you know through social media through those different devices giblify or google pay and that kind of thing setting them up their churches up with those kind of payments where people could yet continue to contribute and so it's been an ongoing success uh we are blessed i'm very happy how the network stepped up to just support even in the areas where you may have members who tested positive in the family were not able to go forth, man, it was beautiful how churches stepped up to be a support to that family to be able to go get them food to make sure that they get the care that they needed food uh what toiletries all that and so we've been working on the ground uh we have not been uh you know it, it's just been beautiful we have not had a moment of rest. Uh, we have made sure that people were being taken care of. Our city was being uh, taken care of, and it's been good.
0: That's just the movement of the body of Christ, isn't it? Times of need and being there.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, You know, I'm I'm this guy who always I'm very optimistic. And when I see crisis, I just begin to think, okay, it's time for us to shine. You know, the church to shine. What I mean, it's time for the church to be the light. That it's supposed to be in times of uh, dark places, and if light began to shine, people begin to get hope. All right, people. When people have hope, they believe, hey, we can, you know, better days ahead. We can get through this here. Matter of fact, though, this crisis maybe we can have a lot of success in the midst of it you know growing up poor there was a lot of days we were I, I tell people i didn't even know we were poor we were so happy all right and then when i go back and i look at what we were happy over you know the little stuff you know but god just blessed and so god knows how to bless his people in the midst of a pandemic because the people of God is under God. Yes. Right? We're under his reign. And God knows how to take care of us in the midst of it and provide for us. And that's what God has been doing.
0: Pastor, I love that. And I think that's what we are to do, to mobilize and to care, to give, show kindness Uh, It was two weeks ago today, as we record our program, that George Floyd was murdered in the hands of a police officer in Minneapolis. A lot has changed in the last two weeks in our nation. And not just our nation, this is ringing around the world, if you've watched the news.
1: Yes, it is. It is. It's a bitter time in our our, our nation. It is uh, very, very uncomfortable for a lot of people, Uh, but- Change is something that has to come forth. While most of us like to change gracefully, I'm about to turn 60 and I'm turning 60 gracefully. <laughs> you know, uh, in a few days, I'll be 60. I'm turning it gracefully. But the truth is, is that a lot of change that, you know, if we would be honest, uh, some of our major changes in our lives came through brokenness. All right. It came through difficulty. So, this is a, a again, a, a place in our nation where, uh, we see a man's life being taken by those who were sworn to protect it. Uh, it's bitter. It's hard to swallow. Uh, it's hard to swallow. But if we are to succeed and be the great nation that we all claim us to be, we have to swallow this and we have to make, uh, some changes that will be for the betterment.
0: James, for over 30 years, you were on the beat. You drove a Memphis police car. You represented the police department. You worked up to a colonel in a rank. So you've been on the streets. You know what it's like. Take us back to those early days when you were aspiring to be a police officer, those early days of getting into the police academy, what your expectations were, what you were thinking about. Why did you want to become a police officer? Byron, I,
1: I think I'm, I was around probably eight or nine when I decided when it's like God just put it within my heart, all right, that you're going to be a policeman one day. And it came about by seeing an officer abuse, uh, brutalize, a, a man in our community on a rainy day, he beat this guy and rolled him in the mud, you know, and I'm sitting watching this and, uh, then he walked him down the corridor, the walkway, a corridor way, it's like over 300 feet to his car. And I was like, this ain't right. I'm a little boy. And uh, I said to myself, and it was, it, you know, I, I knew as I grew older, it came from God. Uh, you're going to be a policeman one day. I'm going to be a policeman one day, and I'm going to work in my community, and I'm going to serve my people in the manner in which they should be served. And so in 1985, when I come on the police department, I'm excited because, man, I'm finna get an opportunity to go out into my community, and I'm going to serve my community in the manner in which it should be. And God blessed me. He blessed me. They put me at South Precinct, Rain Station is called now. And that was the neighborhood I grew up in, went to high school in. I was patrolling the ward I grew up in. I didn't ask for it. I didn't do anything, all right? I didn't go and tell anybody, you know, I want this spot. No, God placed me in the very neighborhood I grew up in, the high school, the ward, everything. I was patrolling my high school area, the, the neighborhood I grew up in. And it was a beautiful thing. And I got to serve the people because I'm this guy who believed that, police officers are servants to the community. We are called to serve and protect. All right. We're not called to make war against a uh, citizen. So my whole career, people will tell you if they know me that that guy is all about serving community. He's he's going to do whatever he can. And I was blessed with a group to be around a group of officers who taught me how to respect life, how to care about people now i'm a church boy uh and I'm i'm a i'm a youth minister at that time when i come on the job all right and so when you hear director rollins say he's more preacher than policeman when i was out there he wasn't lying all right he wasn't lying i was all right it was ministry for me it was really a platform that god gave me to go out and serve his community, all right, serve his people. And so I just worked doing it. And it was uh, a lot of fun.
0: It's still a lot of fun serving uh, people. James, what were some of the challenges once you got into the job? As fun as it was, there was the reality. There was tough situations that you had to encounter. So in the job, how did you process through that position as police officer to protect and serve, giving back to the community? But there were times, I'm sure, that got to be tough. There were some people that were hard to deal with
1: wisdom. All right. Uh, Using wisdom, uh, realizing that if you not, I was trained this way. If you respect people, I made plenty of rest. All right. But I was taught you always leave a man standing like a man. All right. You never uh, take away a man's manhood. You always respect people. Uh, When I had to lock up prostitutes, I was trained Prostitutes need to be treated like a lady You respect them the way you would want your mother to be respected Your sister to be respected And you don't know what brought her to this place in life All right You know, so don't judge her Though you may have to arrest her That's the same thing You don't know what brought this young boy This young man to this place So I was taught, you know, by senior men Marvin Townsend My great mentor uh, Great training partner Uh, who just said listen you kirkwood leave people respectful be respectful all right make sure all right you be respectful at all times and so in difficult times all right in difficult times it was about applying wisdom all right yeah. it was about talking to people it was about hey if we gonna fight now we don't have to fight you know i would much rather you come on get in this car and uh, let's do this thing. Cause at the end of the day, you will go to jail. All right. But I need you to work with me here. So it, it was like understanding people. And so I was blessed that uh, I went through 31 years and probably, I doubt if I had 10 fights. All right. But it was through respect, respecting, respecting uh, individuals. Never had to shoot at anybody. You know, probably just only pulled my pistol probably twice, you know, with a thought that maybe I may have to shoot someone. But that's the story of most police officers. All right. Most police officers never have to do a bunch of fighting. The truth of the matter, if you're doing a bunch of fighting, something is wrong. Yeah. All right. Really, truly, something is wrong. You hadn't learned how to negotiate And part of being a police officer is negotiating in crisis situations. How do you deescalate this situation that could really turn out real bad? And when you had officers who did not know how to deescalate, but always escalated, you would quickly tell them you step aside. All right. Don't you don't you deal with this? All right. Because we don't feel like fighting today, but it's learning how to relate to people. And so I had a lot of success in that.
0: I'm sure that there were those colleagues, fellow officers, as you mentioned, you saw people abusing their power.
1: Yes, yes, yes. But now here's something you have to always remember now, all right, that in our group and I tell people all the time, though Memphis has a lot of work to do. Memphis is a very, very good police department and Memphis has had a long standing of good directors, a long history of line of successions of good directors coming on uh, who would lead our city through community policing, helping officers to know that, hey, we're going to serve and protect and we're going to work within our community to make sure that we resolve issues. It will not be a us against them. Memphis has had a lot of success in that. And I think that's why you see in Memphis, we have not had the commotion or the violent protests like in other cities, all right? Because Memphis directors, those directors and those colonels have always been willing to sit down, come, let us sit and reason together. They've always been willing to sit and reason with community leaders so that we won't get there, all right? And and put in change. I think when you look at it, uh, when you had bad guys, there's enough officers around to say, hey, you can't do that. You know, don't do that, man. Stop that. All right. And those guys who want to do wrong, they ain't going to hang around light. When you about doing right, those guys who want to do wrong will not do wrong with you because you ain't going to allow it.
0: You know, I think you right. know the story. My son went into the Memphis Police Academy wanting to be a police officer and went through the entire process, had about two weeks. I think the final part was learning to handle the automobile, learn how to drive the car. He passed the law, passed the firing range, did the tear gas, did all that. God in his divine providence used that to redirect my son's working in full-time ministry today. God just changed his course, all that aside. I remember him telling me in his class, there was one He said, Dad, they don't belong there. They're in there for wrong reasons. Graduated, and within a year, were brought up on charges for abuse of power. Yes. And were dismissed from the police department.
1: Byron, listen, uh, we have to be honest, because it, it is a known truth that there are bad apples amongst police, all right? There there are bad apples everywhere. Today, the light is shining on the police department, all right? It does us no good to talk about bad apples in ministry and bad apples in uh, law profession or as lawyers or bad apples in the medical field. Today, the light is being shined on the police department. And so we have to acknowledge truth. And that is, as Paul said, there are some wolves amongst us you know, in blue uniforms, as Paul said, in sheep's clothing, yes. there are some wolves amongst us uh, and you have to get rid of them. Beware of them because they are there. And what they do is when they act, it brings shame on the whole group. Yes, right? It brings shame on the whole group. And the whole group, the innocent group has to deal with The repercussions of what this bad guy did. In the case of Minneapolis, you know, you saw it. It it, it was bad and his complaints were huge 18 to 19 complaints. Uh, He should have been removed from the police department.
0: In a New York Times article dated today, titled, What Would Efforts to Defund or Disband Police Departments Really Mean? Across the country, calls are mounting from some activists and elected officials to defund, downsize, or abolish police departments. A veto-proof majority of the Minneapolis City Council pledged on Sunday to dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department, promising to create a new system of public safety In a city where law enforcement has long been accused of racism, the calls for change have left people uncertain of what those changes would really mean and how cities would contend with crime. Much remains uncertain, and the proposals vary between cities. To me, as a citizen, when you talk about getting rid of the police department, what does that mean,
1: Colonel? Here's what it means. It means uh, we have to take a serious look at the way we police in America, all right? We have to take a real serious look. Citywide community policing is necessary. Uh, Training officers to be guardians instead of warriors is necessary. It means that, you know, they would sing a song back in the church because we on a gospel radio station. So I'm trying to flip us so those of us who are Christians can really see what's being what's taking place and and, and not be resistant to it. Uh, They will sing this song in church shine the light on me. Let the light from heaven shine on me. And they would say, whatever is in me that is not right, show me so that you can take it out of me. I want to be right. I want to be whole. All right. I want to be saved. All right. And so in our nation, in our journey through life as individuals and as nations, God always shines his light and when the light is shined, it shows ugly it shows the ugly all right because the ugly is what's keeping you from being the best that you can be all right. And so when it happens, when you hear people say defund, what they're saying is we need to create a better police department. All right. We need our police department to be. And, and, and it sounds hard. But if, if we had to straighten this out years ago, there's been several opportunities where God has shined a light on something that was ugly. And the problem in our country is that we dismiss it. All right. We dismiss it. I think uh, my wife was preaching Sunday and she said uh, godly repentance turns into a change. All right. But Paul said you were sorry, but you weren't sorry to the point of change. And so what you did was you were sorry for a moment and then you went back to the same thing. The reason why we see protests today in the manner in which we are is because we continue to go back to the same. All right. Because this is a huge, uh, protest. I've never seen it like this, uh, nationwide. Uh, it has even went worldwide. Italy, different countries are weighing in on this because of what they saw. All right. And you cannot argue this time that this was not murder. All right. You cannot argue. You cannot argue that there is something wrong when three other policemen are standing beside and neither one of them pulled that guy off. All right. Something should have been done. Somebody should say, man, don't do that. Stop that. Stop. All right. But they didn't do it. All right. So that told you something is dreadfully wrong within the depo- within the police department. Now, it may not be to that magnitude in Memphis, but it's shined a light, all right, which says even Memphis has to examine its police department and put in changes. How do we go forward? How do we make it better? And so when you see city council saying we need to defund or we need to restructure, we need to take another look.
0: It's the same way when God shines light. You no, got to no. fix this. And I totally understand that. But when you get to the point of talking about a box- the police department, getting rid of police altogether,
1: that's extreme. It is extreme, and it's harsh uh,
0: words, and I don't agree I with mean, the it. Defunding, Colonel, when you look at New York City police officers, I think make an average starting at 42000 especially New York City with the cost of living is higher there than it is here. When you talk about cutting back, you're needing to get quality people. Are you going to discourage good people from wanting to be police officers? I don't know.
1: I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that A change has to happen, a real change. All right. And sometimes people will say things to get you to the table to make a real change, a defining change. The Obama administration put forth 21 century community policing. It's an awesome restructuring of police departments calling for the nation. They was moved, pushing it. Uh, I went to D.C., to one of the classes. It was absolutely awesome. It was ideal for policing. It pushed uh, uh, training uh, police officers into uh, the uh, guardian style. It pushed making sure you implement policies and training that deal with unconscious bias training uh, that can be very damaging to polices, police uh, police departments and to, uh, to cities. It pushed and stressed how Everybody within the community should be at the table dealing with whatever issues that community is dealing with teachers, business people. Everyone should be around the table working out the solutions along with police. That police should not be doing this by itself. That's a great plan. That's a great strategy. That is awesome. All right. And so after the administration went away and it was gone. You didn't hear about it anymore. What you began to hear about was warrior. All right. You know, us against them that began to rise. Okay. And so, uh, this crisis, again, I'm like, Hey, the light is on us. Let's make the corrections. And, and here's the deal, Byron. The majority of police officers are good. The majority of white police officers are good. All right, they are absolutely good. I worked with a a lot of white police officers who served the black community like it was theirs. Worked overtime, fed put in money, decorate the precinct, bought candy to give out to the kids, played with kids. They are awesome. All right. They are awesome. Uh, One of the difficult things for me as a police officer is having to know that my good officers are under fire, All right? That they are under fire, that people in the community uh, are looking at them as though they are evil. And they're not, all right? They're not. They're good, all right? There are black officers who, are, man, take their money out of their pockets. They go to our churches. They spend money in our stores. They are working with our kids. Uh, Rain Station had a summer camp, 120 kids plus, and uh, officers, black and white, worked with those kids all through the summer, still working with those kids, trying to figure out ways to uh, maneuver. When you look at uh, the police officers in our city that are uh, uh, going along with these mobile food and making sure that people get the food they need serving people getting food and taking it to the elderly people within our community that shows you and they are white and black all right? white and black doing this here but if we don't and i tell officers if you don't speak out against the the brutal officer if you don't speak out against the wolf that is in the blue uniform all right then people will look at you and say hey you're a part of that because you said nothing all right. And so if ever was a time for us to acknowledge, all right, listen, we are here together. All right. We are with this here and we welcome, you know, the light to be shined on us because if the light is shined on me. Regarding the police officer. I was happy because I knew you was going to find out how good we were. All right. How good we were in our department. But you was also find those guys who were not, which was going to be good for the department. All right. Because we can get rid of those guys who shouldn't be here. You know, and so uh, it's, it's, it's a difficult day. And yes, we hear a lot of things. But I'm optimistic in my thinking that, listen, that hard rhetoric is trying to force us to the table to make some clear changes that need to be.
0: Let's get serious. Let's don't just speak words. Yes. Let's see some real change. Let's see some real change. Colonel James Kirkwood, our time is uh, gone on this program. Would you hang around and can we continue this conversation? I feel like there's so much more we need to talk about. And I'd like to continue on the same topic where we are right now, maybe move in some new areas. But if you can hang around, we're going to do a second show. Yes, sir. We'll do. If those want to know more about the Memphis Christian Pastors Network, how can they learn more? How can they contact you?
1: Oh, you can contact me. Uh, you can come to the, go to our website, org, Uh, and it's uh, a link on the uh, website where you can send me or you can contact me through the web or you can, uh, give me a call. everybody has my cell number uh 901-302-5709 and hey whatever we can do to assist or help or if you want to be a part uh you're a pastor and you want to be a part of the network we welcome you to come on board because we do a lot of work in our city to make this city the best city that it can be
0: colonel james kirkwood associate pastor of the ambassadors of christ church in north memphis our guest today James, God bless you, my brother. Thank you for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom and our community. Thank you. Well, friends, we're going to pick up this conversation next time here on Mid-South Viewpoint with James Kirkwood. Hope you'll stay tuned for that. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.